You are listening to the Piedmont Church Podcast. To learn more about Piedmont Church, including our gathering times in Macon, you can visit us online at piedmontchurch.net. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Jonah chapter 1, beginning in verse 17. Uh, We'd love for you to open them with us. If you don't own a Bible or have one with you, we have some in the back. And if you'll raise your hand, uh, Usher will bring those to you. We value God's Word, and we want you to be there with us this morning. Thank you so much uh, on indulging me by letting me move your seat. I know how we get about our seats in church, right? We have that spot. It's, it's the best vantage point to us. It's the best sound. And if nothing else, even if those things aren't true, it's our seat. And so uh, I appreciate you letting me kind of be teacher and give you assigned seats this morning to a degree. Uh, I hope uh, the Lord will use it in a, in a good way. So let me ask you a question as we dive into this morning's sermon. Has there ever been a moment in your life when you really needed someone or something to help you out? I mean, a moment when you thought you were in this proverbial storm that you would never see your way out of. There was no way that you could get yourself out of this situation. It was bad. Recall that moment in your mind, maybe even in your heart. Maybe it's as simple as, you know, that moment when you're in high school or college or young 20-something, or maybe even now when you've told there's a party, there's an event, there's something coming up, and somebody's been like, hey, do you want to go? And you didn't want to say yes because you didn't want to go with them. Right? You wanted to go to the thing, but you didn't want to go with them. And so you're like, well, I don't know. You know, I got this thing, got that thing. And then another friend calls you a few minutes later after you've kind of already kind of blown one friend off and was like, hey, let's go. And you get to said event. And what happens? That person is there. And you're like, hey, I need you to come stand right here and don't move because if they see me, they're going to know I'm here and then I'm going to be in this moment. Maybe it's as simple as that. Maybe it's not. Maybe uh, there's a moment. That this happened to me when I, when I was a young child. I was at a wave pool, right, at, at Whitewater or something like that. You ever been in a wave pool? Raise your hand if you've ever been in a wave pool. You saw your way through. Jesus was, had his hand on you, right? There's that moment when you begin going opposite of the wave. So the waves are kind of doing this deal, right? And as they're coming up, you're coming up, and you're finding yourself still underwater, and you're like, I'm going to die, but you can't say that because you're underwater. And then the lifeguard stops the wave pool, jumps in, and embarrasses you in front of 500 people that you have no idea who they are, right? 500 strangers. Maybe, maybe that was you. I don't know. That was definitely me at the age of 24. Just kidding. <laughs> I was a kid. Uh, maybe there's, for me and Amy, there's a specific moment in, in our life. Back in uh, 2019, uh, some April, May, we, we got a word from the Lord like, you need to sell your house. <laughs> we're going, I hear you, God. Appreciate that. That's funny. Uh, we like our house. We're good. Where are we going to go? We're not, you know, moving jobs or nothing like that. Why would we sell our house? And he just made it really clear, you're going to sell your house. And so we put our house on the market, uh, and our house sold, sells in 24 hours. Um, and we find ourselves without a house. And so we do what every good child does. We call our parents. All right, and we say, "Mommy, Daddy, can I come stay with you?" Uh, so we live with my parents. Now, the blessing in this is my parents live on a gorgeous lake, and so wow, it was an amazing summer, except for the three-hour commutes to work. But one of those commutes, one of those times, I was frustrated with what was going on in, in, in my life and some situations, and so uh, I decided to uh, cut the grass at our church. 
And now at this exact moment, we, we had been looking for house after house after house after house. And everything we wanted, we just couldn't afford. And everything we could afford, we didn't want. And so we're in this, you know, rock in a hard place moment. And before I left work that day, Amy says, hey, Chris, we're going to put an offer on this house. <laughs> I'm like, is this really, this is the house we're going to, like, this house stinks. I don't want this house. And she's like, I know, but it's kind of all we got to do. School's rolling back around. We, we gotta, we've got to live in Macon kind of thing. And I'm like, I hear you. So I was frustrated, so I, I've never done this before, and I, I've never done it since, but to help get rid of frustration, I decided to cut all 17 acres or whatever grass that is out there, and in case you don't know this, our, our grass doesn't get cut in like an hour, right? You know, if you look at that yard out there, like, oh yeah, it takes, you know, an hour and a half. You're wrong, right? <laughs> I was wrong. Uh, it takes like five hours if you're by yourself. On, uh, thankfully, I wasn't on a push mower. I was on some sort of a rider. It wasn't a zero turn. It was not made for this. So when I told my wife, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll cut the graph about two and a half hours, then I'll put a thing on this house, that turned into five hours, and I missed my window to put an offer in the house. Praise the Lord. Because right there, in that moment, I just happened to be frustrated. I pulled my phone, and I see a house come on the market. Now, this house is not, this is day one, like minute one, it comes on the market. I call my realtor, and I'm like, hey, I want to see this house now. I go look at it. I send it to Amy. She comes look at it the next day. We put an offer in. Our top is not even at their bottom. Like, it's one of those, like, we're going to put it in. They're going to tell us no, and I'm going to be angry and mad and all the, you know, emotions. Within an hour, they say yes. And then I'm like, okay, I hear you. I also want this much money um, on this thing, and I don't want to have to do, uh, I want you to fix all these things seven days later on the inspection. And I'm like, see, Amy, they're going to they're gonna say no. And then they're like, yeah, sure. And I'm like, well, is it, did somebody die in this house? Like, what, what's, what's going on? Because I'm getting this for still, and for me, in that little moment, that might sound like nothing to you, but it was something to us. It was a moment when we had sold our house. We followed God's lead. And we're like, hey, what are we going to do with our house? And then the time just kept moving. A deal after deal after deal fell through. And we found ourselves going, hold on. Kids start school in like two weeks. We've got nowhere to live outside of an hour away from this place, an hour and a half away from where we live, like our life is. And then God shows up right in that moment. It's important for us to recognize the storms that we find ourselves in because the storm's intensity reveals the Savior's beauty. If you're taking notes this morning, that's one of the first notes on, on that, that line. It, it's important to recognize the storms that we find ourselves in because the, the storm's intensity, the intensity of the storm that we find ourselves in reveals the Savior's beauty. Like you, you, you get to the front of the grocery store aisle. You, you've, you've gotten all your stuff. You go to checkout and you go, uh-oh, where's my... Where's my wallet? That embarrassing moment? Has that ever happened to you? Never happened to me either. But you get to the front, and you're like, man, I've got to put all this back. It's embarrassing. And somebody behind you goes, I got it. Don't worry about it. Like, you're kind of in this little you know, storm moment, like, oh, crap, what's happening? And somebody comes along, and you're like, that's a big thing. That's kind of a, a good saver. Maybe you lock your keys in your car. And you're on the wrong side of town, or maybe you're ways away from your house. You don't know anybody. You lock your keys in the car, and you're freaking out, like, how am I supposed to get out of here? Maybe, maybe, maybe you've locked your dog in the car, don't do that, you know, whatever. Like, may, there's some, you've locked yourself out of your car, and then somebody shows up to get you in your car. That's, that's a good savior moment. But what about this? What about when you're about to be hurt or robbed or, or something intense is about to happen? When a savior shows up in that moment, that's not just a good savior. 
that's a great Savior. Like, do you see what I'm saying? The, the, the size of the storm, every time the storm increases, the Savior's actions are increased as well. And, and this morning, we're, we're going to be looking at a passage in Jonah. And we've been walking through the book for several weeks. And what I, what I find so interesting about this story is that it, it, it's a kid's story, right? Most of us, even those who didn't grow up in the church, kind of know the story of Jonah. Yeah, he gets, you know, he doesn't want to go to this place. He gets swallowed by a fish, and he ends up going to this place, and everybody goes to, the, you know, heaven. Woo! That's the story, right? But when you start diving into the story of Jonah, it is much more nuanced than that. Like, it's extremely difficult at times to kind of understand what Jonah's going through. And as I was reading this a few weeks ago, and even this week, I thought, you know, I wonder if we really recognize the size of the storm that Jonah found himself in. So what, what one of the joys of a pastor's duty and calling is that we get to open a text that is living and ap- active and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. But my joy is to kind of bring it to you in a, in a, in a maybe a, a new way, to kind of reveal some of the history and the context and make it alive. And so what we want to do this morning is I want to do that. One of the, the, the I guess, the hidden gems in this text is the size of the storm. And so what we're going to do is I, I want to cre- recreate as best as we can without, not, without being in a boat and, you know, being in a storm. I want to recreate a storm. And so if my stormtroopers will kind of move in place, you know who you are, um, we're going to recreate a moment leading up to our main text. It's a moment that I preached about last week where Jonah is on this boat and he is fleeing from the calling on God's, from the calling that God has on his life. And he's in the middle of a storm and everything's going crazy. Now, we said it earlier, I'll say it again. If, if you find yourself, you know, having epileptic seizures or whatever else, this is a great time to go out the back door. Uh, if you have kids near you, hold them close, you know. It shouldn't be too scary, but it's going to be loud. So let's go into the storm. Let's do this. So here's the moment. Jonah is fleeing from Nineveh to Tarshish. And all of a sudden, this storm comes in on the boat. Now, what we need to know is that the seamen, the the, the fishermen on this boat, begin to completely freak out. Now, you need to know that because here's the deal. These are fishermen. This is not the first storm that they've ever seen. This is not uh, their first voyage. They would have seen storm after storm after storm, but something tells them this storm is different. So much so that what they do is they cry out to their gods is what the text says. They're, they're, they're screaming out to their gods like, help us, help, is what they're doing in this moment. And they find that it's not working. So what do they do? They go, hey, our ship needs to become lighter. And so they begin to take things, they throw it off the ship. They're, 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 they're trying to get this ship lighter. And they're like, hey, get those over there, get this over here. And in that moment, the captain goes, hey, where's, where's Jonah? Where's this passenger of ours? Why isn't he helping us? So, so he goes down to the billows, or to, to the gallows of, of the boat. And he finds, what is Jonah doing? Dude is passed out. He is asleep. And like we talked about last week, it's kind of this God-induced coma that Jonah finds himself in. And so the captain shakes him, wakes him up like, hey, what are you doing? You need to be assisting us. You need to be praying. And then they're wondering like, hold on, 
who, who is this guy? And so what they do is they go back up top and they cast lots. Essentially, they, they throw dice, essentially, to figure out why this storm is here and whose fault it is. Because they've recognized that this is not just a normal storm. This is a moment that they know a God in their mind, a little G God, or maybe a big G God that they don't even, they're not even aware of, has sent this storm to them. The lot lands on Jonah. And Jonah says, hey, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm a good dude. I believe in the, the author and the creator, the God who created everything, the dry land and, and the seas. It's my fault. Throw me in the water. And they're going, no, 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 no way. We, we, we can't do that. They're, they're trying all kinds of other things. The captain even cries out to God like, don't make me do this. Don't make me punish someone. Don't, don't make me end someone's life. And after they had tried all other options available to them, they throw Jonah overboard. And they find the seas begin to calm. And the storm subsides. And Jonah is no longer on their boat. And their boat calms down. And right in the middle of this storm, God uses this moment. The scripture says that the entire crew was praising God. See, when, we, when you and I see storms, I don't know that we always see them as good things. I don't see them as good things most of the time. But man, did good come out of that. And then God goes on with his story to say, it's not over. Think about the fears that you would have in that kind of storm. You're on a boat in the middle of nowhere. I don't know if you've ever been on a cruise, but if you go on a cruise and you go up on deck in the middle of the night and you look out, that's a humbling moment because the only light there is is either A, the light from your boat, or B, if it's a clear night and the moon's shining, the moon. And you get a little reflection off of the, the ocean, but outside of that, it is dark. And you feel about this big in that moment. Like you recognize the gravity, the, the weight of that situation. And here's Jonah and the crew, and Jonah finds himself not just in the storm, but quite literally now in the water of the storm. But God's not finished. Jonah chapter 2, verse 1, as Pastor Jeremy read for us earlier. It says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. God shows up for me and for you, just like he shows up for Jonah. The fish in this moment, in this story, is a sign of the Savior. That's, that's what this is. When God sins, he, it says he appoints this fish to swallow Jonah. The fish is a sign of the Savior. The fish was appointed. He was sent. Does that ring any bells? Like somebody being appointed to be your Savior? John chapter 4 Beginning in verse 31, says, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, this is Jesus, saying, Rabbi, eat. 
But he said to them, I, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus says to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. A few chapters later, John chapter 6, verse 38 says, for I have come down, this is Jesus speaking, from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who has sent me. Jesus comes and steps right in the middle of your storm, of your moment when you're on the boat and everything is going crazy and he says, jump off the boat. Jump off the boat. Because if, if we look at Jonah's story, if Jonah stays on this boat, what does the scripture say? It says the, the boat's going to be torn apart. It's going to crash. It's going to find its resting place at the bottom of this sea. It's, 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 it's headed there. There's nothing that can be done if you stay on this boat. You will crash. You will sink. You will find your demise. And in that moment, Jonah gets thrown over by his request. And God shows up with a fish to save him. He's been appointed to do that. That is what Jesus is doing for me. And he can do for you. So, when you find yourself in the storms of life, maybe it's this, this great storm that we're talking about, this, this storm where your boat is going to find its doom, its demise. And this is the ultimate storm of sin without repentance, meaning you've never put your faith into Jesus. You said, you know what, I'm going to figure this life thing out on my own. I, I kind of want to try out some of these other religions, I, you know, I kind of believe in God, but I don't know if I can like pinpoint it to Jesus. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep riding my boat and I'm going to keep going down this path and I'm just going to do me. I'm going to find what, what works for me, what makes me happy, and blissful, maybe even joy to my knowledge. I'm going to keep going down this path and maybe I don't even recognize the storm. Isn't that the scary part? Like we can be on a boat in the middle of this storm and we're not even seeing the storm because what does the Bible say? That we have blinders on. That the gospel, Paul says in, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians, I believe it is, that we are blinded by our sin. Like the gospel is foolish. It is folly is the exact words. To our hearts. Because we're not even aware of what is going on. And God says, you are in a storm. And I have appointed my son, Jesus, to save you. Maybe it's that big storm. Maybe, maybe it's a little storm. Maybe you've already put your faith in Christ. You've been walking with him for years or days. And things keep happening in your life. Struggles keep coming. And you're going, why? Why does this happen? You know, I gave my life to Jesus. All things are supposed to be good, right? But Jesus actually teaches the opposite oftentimes in, in the Gospels. What does he say? I mean, there's going to be persecution. There's going to be difficult times. There's going to be struggles. And so when we find ourselves in storms, as believers, the answer is the same thing. Go back to the appointed fish. Go back to Jesus. Like, understand that the boat that you're on is now a, a, maybe a smaller boat because your big boat issue has been resolved. But your small boat issue is this relationship, that broken thing here, that addiction, that struggle, whatever it is. And Jesus is saying, I am here 
to save you. But in order to be saved, you got to jump off the boat. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it is Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In your marriage, when, when the storm approaches, will you weather the storm by doing it your way? Keep doing the same thing maybe you've always been doing. Or maybe you go, I'll seek counseling. I'll, I'll try to fix this. I'll fix that. Whatever it is. But the reality is you're still trying to do it your way. Or will you jump off the boat and seek to do it Jesus' way? Will you, will you get rid of your pride and your selfishness and strive to be like Jesus? In your career, will you do anything you can to, to make a little more money, to move up the ladder, to, to be the person that you thought you could always be? Like that great boss, that great leader, the one who leads that organization. Doing the, the right things at the right times for the right reasons. I, I read a quote years ago that says, managers do things right. Leaders do the right things. Will you be focused in your business and your career about advancing your kingdom? Or will you follow Jesus and look to advance his? Now notice, that that isn't a statement about like careers don't matter or advancement doesn't matter. Like if you read the scripture, God tells us to do things with excellence and do things unto him. So you can be a good Christian and also be a good businessman. You know, those work together. Like it's not necessarily like you got to be this shrewd, cheap businessman who pays people poorly and treats them poorly to get ahead in life. God gives us ways to lead well, to follow after him. And as a Christian, if you're, if you're in this room and you, you say, I am a Christ follower, I know sometimes we struggle with this concept. You are a leader. You've been set apart is what God says about you. Like you've, you've been redeemed, adopted, chosen. And you have been set as a city on a hill. You are a leader. Somebody is following after you. So in your business, in your marriage, in your relationships, will you look to lead like Jesus led? Or will you try to take hold of the reins and do it your way? Every single one of us is welcomed in this text to jump off our boat, and into the arms of Jesus. That's what he's calling you to do. When you have a bad day at work, run to the arms of Jesus. Don't don't run to the social media board and vent there. Don't necessarily just run to the friend or the confidant or the spouse. Jesus says, "Come, come to me, all who are thirsty and heavy laden. Like, that's not just a salvation moment. That's like a day in and day out moment. Like, you know, there are things in our lives that we shouldn't tell our spouses, right? I was, I was meeting with some pastors this past week. And one of the things that this pastor who leads a church of about 4,500 right now, he's been doing it for, I think he's been pastoring for like 42 years. And he stood up in front of a room of young pastors and he said, look, look, here's the deal. You want to build this oneness with your spouse. And I get it. You should. Biblically, you should be one with your spouse. But as a pastor, 
and really as a leader, you know, you don't have to tell them everything. And he said, here's what I mean. When somebody trashes you, you don't have to go home and tell your spouse that. Because here's what's going to happen. If someone walks in these doors, for the most part, here's how I am. They can say whatever they want about me. I really don't care. I mean, I, I care. I, I care what people think about me. But here's the deal. You trash talk me, okay, it's fine. You talk about my wife or my kids, you're going to be in trouble. Right? I mean, it's just how it is. You're not going to talk trash about them. How do you think she sees it? You think she, she's open for somebody to come in here and be like, hey, Chris, you're just the worst preacher, pastor, leader, you know, ever. She's probably not going to take that if you ever met my wife. It's like, you know, she ain't going to, you know, all of a sudden go fighting on you. But you might think she is. I don't know. She gets a little crazy at times. I love her. But here, here's the deal. That's just like a, you know, an antidote. I think sometimes we, we think we just go home from a hard day at work and we're just venting to our spouse. But what we're doing is we are trash talking the mess out of our boss, somebody we work with, a delivery guy, the person on the road who cut us off. Like we are crushing them. And then when our spouse runs into that person, what do you think their thought is? Man, that's a good person right there. No, they're like, man, this, this person right here has been giving my husband or my spouse a hard time and I'm about to jump all over them. When really, uh, you know, maybe we don't need to share that moment with them. Maybe we need to lead well, and maybe we need to follow Jesus in that situation and kind of get off the ship of vindication for us and get on the ship of Jesus like, hey, turn the other sheet. Right? This morning, as we read the text uh, from Pastor Jeremy, I'm not going to walk verse by verse through it this morning. But I want you to go back this week in your quiet time and, and read the words of Jonah. Because I think oftentimes when we look at this story, we, we knew he was thrown into the sea and that a fish swallowed him. But I think a lot of us learned that the fish was the bad thing. But the fish is the sign of God's grace in your life. The storm was the bad thing. And like we talked about a couple of weeks ago, Jonah found himself in that storm because of his decisions. Sometimes we find ourselves in the middle of a storm that had nothing to do with our decisions. It's just God in his providence has allowed us to go through this for his goodness and his glory. But in that moment, Jonah found himself in a storm and he owned up to the responsibility, right? What did he say? Throw me overboard. In our lives, we need to own up to the responsibility. In a moment, we're going to enjoy the Lord's Supper. We're going to meet together. We're going to commune. If you uh, missed one when you walked in, in just a second, we'll have an usher uh, pass, walk by and get you one of these. You can put your hand up. I'll give you one. But one of, the, one of the joys of the Lord's Supper for me is just watching the body of Christ come together and remember Jesus. One of the things that it's so beautiful about that moment. It, it's, we come together, and in remembering Jesus, we come face to face with our sin. Like, we come face to face in that moment. I mean, you get what I'm saying, right? You're coming face to face with the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator of all things. And one of the things that we've said in, in church history forever is when you do that, come with an open heart. Like, 
repent. That means to turn from, to, to confess your sins. We're not saying, stand, you know, please, Lord, don't stand up and just, right, tell me all your sins right here. Right? That would be awkward. But seriously, there, there is a moment where when we come to the Lord's table, you, you need to confess your sins to God. Like, hey, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with that. The altar is going to be open. We're going to play for a few moments. And it's just a moment where you come to him and say, I've been riding on this ship for far too long. I get it. I chose to be on it. But I'm ready to jump off. I'm ready for you to be my big fish. Now, that, that, that can work a couple of ways, right? That can work for salvation. Maybe, maybe you're the person in here going, I've never put my faith in God. I've never trusted in him with my life. I've never trusted him for eternity. I've known about him for a long time, but I've never trusted him. Your step this morning could simply be, I'm going to jump off the ship straight into Jesus. I'm going I'm to turn from the sin that has separated me from him. And I'm going to become a new creation in Christ because it's no longer I who live, but he who's going to live through me. And you can just say that simple prayer. You can find one of our leaders at the end of the service, and we would love, love to walk you through that process. Maybe for others of us in the room who, who find themselves, we are Christians. We've repented. We've put our faith in him. But we've got these hurts, habits, and hang-ups, these, these things that keep weighing us down. You know, Paul talks about the struggle between our flesh and our spirit on a regular basis in the Scriptures. The things I don't want to do, I end up doing. And the things I do, I don't. Maybe you're finding yourself there, but the needle is pointing to the things you don't want to do, you end up doing more and more and more and more. Maybe this is a morning for you as we get ready to come to the table to say, God, I, I want to sit in your presence with an open heart. Forgive me. Give me the strength to turn from whatever it is. Maybe that's your step this morning. We all have one. Every single one of us has a step this morning. Whatever's going on in your life, you, you have a place to jump from one ship into the arms of Jesus, just as Jonah jumped from his ship into, he wasn't even aware of the salvation coming, right? You ever think about that? Like, he's saying, throw me overboard. He didn't know the fish was coming. We know. We have a confidence, is what the book of Hebrews tells us. Jesus is here. So I, I want to pray for us this morning. Pray for you wherever you are. And then after that, we're going to go to the Lord's table together. Let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for our time together in the word. Lord, I, I pray that when we leave here this morning, my words will not be the ones that stick, but Lord, your words will be the ones that prevail, that, that, that move our hearts closer, that help us to, to connect each and every day with you. God, if there's anyone in this room this morning that is, is struggling to find purpose in life, that they're, they're struggling to see the, the meaning of it all. 
they're wrapped up. Maybe they're, maybe they're blinded. They don't even see the storm around them. God, I pray that your, your spirit will convict them, that you'll draw them near, that you'll, you'll show them that you are the way, the truth, and the life, that they'll put their hope and their trust in you this morning. For those of us in this room, God, that have a, a current storm, we, we have put our faith in you, but man, we're, we're walking through some difficult times. We're walking through some moments that we know we have eternal grace and salvation in you, but we really need some here and now grace. We, we need some moments of clarity and some moments that you are living and active in our life. I just pray that you'll, you'll send us that fish, that salvation moment, that, that you'll allow us to have the strength to jump from our boat into the abyss with full confidence that you're there. I pray that this church will be a, a place for people like that that we will be a people that stretch our arms and embrace those who are far from you, embrace those who are hurting and struggling. A place, a place that proclaims the gospel, that you created everything good. We corrupted it through our sin. That sin separated us from you. But you sent the greatest proverbial fish there could be. Yourself, your son Jesus. And he died and resurrected three days later to reunite us to you. And through the work of his redemption on the cross and his resurrection on the cross, we will be made whole. Help us to live in that truth. When all the storms of life come, Help us to see that your gospel, your, your good news, your salvation for us is enough. It is enough. God, break our hearts for that truth, that you are enough in Christ alone. I put my hope, I put my trust, my faith in Christ alone. All these things I've said and the church said, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 2, Paul writes, inspired by the Holy Spirit, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on that night when he was betrayed, took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
Boy, anybody else having a hard time opening this thing? Good gosh. There we go. Continuing on the same text. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, meaning that no longer do we have to keep the laws for our salvation. No longer do we need to sacrifice lambs and go through all of the rituals, but He has become the sacrificial Passover lamb for us. He, he, is, he is here. This new covenant, this covenant is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're going to sing a song together. It's a new song for our church. Maybe, maybe it's a song for you this morning. Maybe it's a, a song of declaration that no matter where you find yourself, God will see you through. He is the God of revival. He is Alpha and Omega for our life, both for this world and the universe and the cosmos and all things, but for you, individually. He has come to say, jump off the boat. I am the God of revival in your life. Let's stand and worship.